The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Uh, my problem is I've got my pointer in the middle of the screen, and I need to move it to the left, but my mouse is over on the left-hand side of the pad. And if I go any further to the left, it's going to go off the pad. Anyway, if you could give me a call, I'd appreciate it. I'll wait until, you, until I hear from you. And welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Broadway. Hey, it's Broadway. How are you? Hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? We haven't seen you for a while. Uh, loaded question or a fair question? <laughs> <laughs> You've been working, right? It's been, it's, well, you know, I don't work. I, mama works. I just carry the load, um, right. whatever she needs. So yeah, well, you're doing the, needs, the tech stuff. So that's kind of cool. Been doing a lot of, I've been doing a lot of, a tr- lot of stuff in, uh, in the, the, the cryptocurrency world, a lot mm-hmm. of trading, a lot of, a lot of stuff like that. I've been doing a lot of, uh, um, house chores. I mean, I, you know, been on the road, we were on the road for so much and then bouncing between Texas and traveling. Y'all haven't seen me either. Right. Yeah. So it's just been a lot of traveling and, and, and trading and sleeping and right, trying so, to stay alive. So let me ask and Sean, I don't know if you, you can add some input on this one either, but this, this past week, uh, it looked like a, an official government said, we're going to start accepting Bitcoin as payment, uh, for everything in our country. Uh, and it was like, Whoa, but Bitcoin tanked. I mean, Bitcoin was was on a rise for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden, as soon as this announcement came out, I don't know what happened. Bit Bitcoin dropped incredibly, um, where a lot of people had lost gains they had, but maybe you know, just incredible gains, and suddenly were lost. And I'm wondering how could a country saying that they were going to adopt this as a form of currency suddenly now. Uh, cause this kind of disruption in the in the, the the crypto world if it did that's a question for john i don't i don't yeah. know enough about bitcoin to really answer that i mean it makes sense that a government would want to get on that but it all it all depends on how it's going to affect the blockchain here's like el salvador i'll just give you that example yeah el salvador basically basically what happened was people took it because everybody got three thirty dollars worth of bitcoin to a wallet and that thirty dollars uh, $30 is a lot for a lot of El Salvadorians. So why would they keep it in Bitcoin and, and worry about the futures when they can paper hand it now and pull out $30? So the deployment itself is what caused that failure. And it's really not a failure. It's, it's actually a good transition to talk about. I mean, if you want to talk about how NFTs and this cryptocurrency can actually help more countries, we could go down that path because clearly you saw, sure, it took a big hit from cryptocurrency because all of those wallets spent the fiat. They spent the fiat version. They cashed uh, out. So, yeah, because that's what happens when people start, you know, and I, when I looked at it, I said, oh, okay, people are just taking the gains. But then it kept going. And I thought, wait a minute, something's not right here. Because every single token that, you know, that you could basically see, at least what I could see, looked like it was dropping. And so the explanation would be because these people were gifted by the government $30. Here, we're going to put $30 in a crypto wallet for you so you could try this and give it a shot. And those people said, oh, you're giving me money? Well, I'm taking it out. And instead of waiting for it to hopefully go up, they said instead they were, were going to spend it and buy themselves you know, a loaf of bread or some milk or whatever. And I, I think that that right now, just today uh, today uh, of recording, we are down almost $10,000 right. in a 24-hour period. Yeah, and so... It's a correction, but you got to remember, we also jumped 20 grand, 30 grand in less than a month. Yeah. Again, from 28 up to almost 60 or 50s. And it's like, uh, guys, this market's volatile, but do you really think that it's it's going anywhere? This isn't going anywhere. This is not a game. This is not something that is unheard of. For, for those of us in technology, we were here 20 years ago. This is new. It's only 10 years old, but it has... A forty thousand dollar U.S. dollar value trading today right. and higher. That's uh, that's so, for a Bitcoin. Ethereum is the one that looked like everybody was was going to be jumping on board with, and it's still yeah. And it's, that's the thing when we're not telling people, we have to make sure we say this. This is, we're not you know advisors. We're not telling people to do this. We're just looking at the market, going, wait a minute, what happened here? 
And so that would explain it, that people were, they got wallets, they had money, you know, the, the, the country had, had been investing in it. They said, well, let's get people to start using it. And people said, no, I'm taking it. And which I think would happen here too. I think a lot of, if you were to do that to, you know, a, a state here in the United States, I think we would probably see a majority of people taking it as well. I think I think we joked about this, on the, uh, but it wasn't necessarily a joke. But we we jokingly were talking about a situation where someone was on on Twitter and had posted something about, oh well, if I had twenty bucks in my town, I could buy this whole village McDonald's. And so another person responded, hey, if you could get McDonald's, if you're serious about that, I'll send you fifty as long as you take a picture of it and deliver it. That transaction and many of those types of transactions are done using the the Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these different cryptocurrencies. And one that I'm actively involved with, one of my trading ones, I won't name it. I'm just going to tell you all what it did. They raised over $500,000 for, for an academy of kids in Nigeria, 500 US, 500,000 US dollars. And we got to see them. Be, they've been making the donations to the nonprofit organization that is dispersing and maintaining the funds. They raised more than they ever expected. So guess how many more academies are going to help? Guess how many schools are going to help set up? Guess how many more people are actually getting the direct help they need because of the bigger U.S. dollar being able to be pumped into these smaller areas with little to no. I, I hate to say yes. We have to keep saying this is not financial advice. It's because of the decentralization of it. Not right. so many loops and hoops you got to go through. Yeah. And that does make it dangerous as well. I'm kind of <laughs> thinking, you know, um, could we see more charitable organizations adopting this and saying, you know, like the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, uh, some of the organizations, you know, we just uh, over the week lost uh, actor, uh, an actor, an uh, actor, Michael K. Williams, who had been helping out with a foundation he started in New York, which uh, was very good helping out kids. You know, I'm wondering if they could, you know, these smaller organizations adopt this and saying, you know, you can make donation with big and they're actually investing that in the blockchain. So it's going to be helping them overall with, you know, uh, with donations. We've talked about a little bit of this before where I, I envision in my my future life, I'm envisioning that every entity has its own blockchain down to us as individuals. We have a lot of data we carry with us. We have a lot of metadata. We talked about metadata, how metadata is continually collected on us. There's not many ways to protect your metadata other than to actually just stick it into something that you can control, which if you can actually control your own metadata in a blockchain, hence, I want to donate to the Goodwill. I want to donate to one of these other big boys. They have their own blockchain or their own token. I purchase some of them for a value and continually hold them and keep buying and selling those or trading those or, or using them. There's so many different ways that this can be played, but there are already locations that say you can do good charity work by donating to, and a majority of them do have wallets. Now, are they in the industry to do anything other than just receive collections? Not so much. So you would think that if I was a large um, transaction house for for donations, I'd be able to do a ton of this and and help by uh, reinvesting, you know, because we know that they have investors in the fiat world doing this as well. There's hedge funds and all these other kind of things, right. but there's nobody really investing for nonprofits with the assets that they're receiving that I've learned about. So, long story short, there's already some out there. They're already getting their they're already getting what they need. But um, could it be done better? Of course. Can we do more? Of course. And just remember, only one, not even one percent. Good gosh. 0.005% of the world knows and uses cryptocurrency and we're 10 years old. So it is that rare and it's still growing. And that's why we're seeing the the growth that we're starting to see. And people are amazed, but it could possibly be even better for a lot of people. Now, somebody listening right now that is, they say, you know, I know you guys talk about it. I read about it. I see it in the news. Um, that has no idea like how to do this. Like, um, and again, we're not providing this this as a, hey, you need to do this. This is more of, hey, you know, if you want to look into this, is their best bet really to go to like an exchange like Coinbase or is there other ones that they can look into? I mean, can they go to investment advisors now and say, I want to put money in, in you know, in crypto or will those investment advisors maybe tell them, nah, you don't want to do that? Well, I mean... If you go to your investment advisor and say, hey, I want to go buy a, a, a digital JPEG for a million dollars, they might tell you you're you're at the wrong <laughs> mm -hmm. juncture of your life. But that's exactly what's happening today. Three, five, even $12 million images are being sold. So is this financial advice? No, but I know of, a, I know of one 
the Board Ape Yacht Club, which I'm sure everybody's going to hear about by now because Sotheby's and uh, Christie's are doing auctions at the end of this month. They're ho they're holding over 100 to 200 of these animals, pictures of these animals that are drawn, and they have bids of already $12 million. Oh my so Lord. when we talk about this as being transactional and, and and it's you know it's not worth it, then that's why all the celebrities are just wasting their money on it too. This is art. It is digital art. It is a form of art, and that's what a lot of people are playing it as to themselves. And you're starting to have art galleries, and you're starting to have people that just want to take their own pictures and or share their own talents, their own music, their own any and everything. Right? The metaverse itself. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about Web three. That's what we're at. We're at the third level of the internet. Starting. Uh, my daughter, Scarlett, it, you know Scarlett. Uh, she came to visit uh, uh, the other day on Labor Day. And you know, she's been doing artwork. She has her own little art thing set up and the whole bit. And I asked her, I said, how are you doing that? She said she's got an iPad. She got a digital pen. And she's been doing her artwork. And she likes it. And I said, what are you doing with it? And she said, uh, I don't know what to do with it. I've had people ask you know, to buy prints. So I said, you know what, John uh, has been talking about NFT. You should look into that. If somebody has something like this, her her confusion is what happens to the piece of art? So she creates this, this image and suddenly it's like, okay, what do I do with this now? Does she email it to him? Does she put it in a package and mail it to them? Does she print it out? What is What happens when somebody buys an NFT? So a lot of places will sell NFTs on their marketplaces. Uh, one of the largest in Ethereum segment right now is called OpenSea. Mm -hmm. They will allow you to mint your artwork directly on their platform once you have a wallet. So the first thing you're going to have to do is get a wallet. Uh, MetaMask is one of the easiest wallets to add to a browser. Uh, but I think if you're going to do any of this, we should probably put a whole show <laughs> about the safety yeah. and, and how-tos because this is something you do not. This is the Wild West, okay? Period. You can get manipulated. You could. You want to talk about scamming. You want to talk about all of the things that we try to avoid in just normal everyday internet use. Multiply that by 10, and that's what's happening in the crypto world because there literally is no regulations, and it involves money, and we're talking real money. So it, it's just something that you're going to have to be very secure about. But if you get yourself a MetaMask, you pay attention. You never give anybody your phrases or, or anything else, and you just do your business with like an open sea you will literally be able to just click, upload your image, and put a price on it, or put the amount of images you want to sell. It will encapsulate it, put it into the blockchain, and sell it for a royalty fee of like 2.5%. And they even offer you to receive royalties on your image from that point forward in case that person ever sells it or trades it down the future. So for, for life, for perpetuity, as long as that item is being used or sold on the blockchain, you will continue to get a royalty from it. What, so what, that's why it's what is that website? It's OpenSea. That's uh, S-E-A, right? Oh, yes, it is OpenSea.io. .io. Okay, we have to check that out. All right, we got gadgets. Uh, and we're, you know, we love gadgets too. And Sean got himself some. I got a gadget that I want to show. Um, let, Sean, why don't you go first? Because you, yours, is, yours is pretty cool and you got a good deal on it. So the first one I'm going to talk about is a new microphone that I picked up. All right. I'm currently showing the Yeti X, but it's the World of Warcraft branded edition. Ooh, nice. So and now... The, <laughs> the only reason I picked this up is because I saw somebody post about it on Reddit. And I had seen it when it released, and I really, really wanted it. But I wasn't about to dump $200 for the microphone. That's how much they go for is 200 bucks. Yeah. When I looked at them originally, this was maybe a year to a year and a half ago, right before they launched the new expansion Shadowlands. They said, here's this sweet Yeti blue microphone. It's we're partnered with them. They're the official microphone of world of Warcraft. However, they branded it. Right. But if you've been paying any attention to the news surrounding blizzard right now, it hasn't been good. No, they they've had a PR nightmare. A, they, are, they are going through a PR nightmare. They're going through a content nightmare. The player base isn't happy. They've had some some absolute bombs on releases with the world with the Warcraft 3 remaster, which was terrible. There's a lot of hype for the Diablo 2 
remaster, which is coming out on this on 23rd of September, which I'm really excited for. Cross my fingers. I hope it's it's going to be great. The beta was fun. So companies have been scrubbing themselves clean of Blizzard because it's been an absolute PR nightmare regarding some of the content that Blizzard is is going through right now. Some of the the lawsuits that they're going through right now. So like for for example, like this one, you got a microphone. And yep. it's a Yeti Blue, which is owned by, are they owned Logitech. by Logitech? Okay, so Logitech G, their gaming division. So you have this, it's a great looking microphone. It's bigger than the normal microphone you use, but it, for our listeners who aren't looking at any of the video that we have on our website, it's got a stand, it plugs in USB, it's not XLR, and you have some customization that you can do with it. But because it's stamped World of Warcraft, and it's normally 200 bucks, and Logitech is saying, "Well, we kind of want to. We want to kind of clear out." So the, the, I followed the Reddit thread, and I found, and people were getting it for ninety dollars or less. Wow! Wow! Now you can still get the Yeti X for one hundred and seventy-five dollars, but you cannot find this microphone on their website anymore. You have to dig through menus to get to it. It's no, it's it's hard to get to. It's hard to find, but you can get it from them. For ninety dollars shipped is what I paid for. Shipped is as well, and it's a, a pretty good sounding mic. Uh, yeah, I'm not using it right now, but uh, when we come back from this break, when we go to our, I will switch to it, and I'll play around with it a little bit, and give you an idea of what I can do with it, because there are some surprises in store for that. All right, cool. I like that. All right, so you got this microphone. Um, so we'll go through the testing phase on that one. Now you also invested a little in. Uh, Something that a lot of us used back in the 70s. I mean, I remember having one. Matter of fact, I still have one at the house uh, in California. And it's sitting on a shelf there next to the brownie camera that I've got that used to shoot 20. What is it? 126 film that it, you used to put in those things? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. But so everybody knows I am a camera enthusiast. It's yeah. my job. I love cameras. I will buy cameras without even looking at like what they do because I just love cameras. So. I've been wanting to get back into some analog photos. And when I did my huge family archive product pro project, I came across this. Wow. That's so, is, the it, old, which, which I'm showing, which I'm showing to the camera, which is an, an old Polaroid land camera. And it's the model. If I can get the thing open to read the model number, because I can't remember it off the top of my head. It is the SX 70. Oh yeah. Polaroid land camera. That, that it, thing it shoots, was huge. Yeah, it shoots on super, super slow film of an ISO for the or ASA for those old folks of 70. Right. Which is incredibly low. So it's but it's hard to find film for this camera. Yeah. Do they even make it anymore? They do because it's becoming a surge in popularity. Now that's not the best part. Polaroid has just released three new versions of the Polaroid camera. Wow. This is the Polaroid now. All right. Which they look identical. You put them side by side. Yeah. They look almost identical. It took everything that was great about the SX-70 in the land camera and put it into a more user-friendly, semi-digital analog camera. So you can use, they created a new type of film for this camera, but you can also use the, the 600 film, which is still made and still used in some of the older versions of the not there are other versions of the older Polaroid camera that still use the 600 film all right this will take what they call it there they have it, it's called the eye type film which is uh they have a black and white in a color or it also accepts the 600 version of the film black and white or color and you can pick this up at best buy which is where i picked it up for just under 100 bucks and with a pack of film i paid just about 150 bucks for uh, five packs of eight shots. So whatever the math comes out that to be 35 shots or whatever. 45. Yeah. So for about 150 bucks, 160 bucks, I got that many shots plus the camera. Now this is truly still an analog camera, but it gives you a couple new features. It gives the ability to recharge it. Cause it's got a lithium ion battery in it. So it'll recharge the flash. So you don't have to pop the double A's in there. Right. It gives you the ability to do double exposures, which is popular among people that shot old Polaroid films where you take a picture, you reframe up another shot, and you take another picture, and it burns both images onto the film. I always did so that as can, a mistake, and I hated it. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's actually a very popular thing to do in analog film. Is it? But one of, one of the features that I really like about it is it's got a self-timer. Okay, good, good. But it, it's got a nine-second self-timer. So you hit the self-timer button, you hit the shutter, you've got nine seconds to get in, in your shot, frame it up however you want, and it takes the picture. And then it spits out the film. So now, is I'm it showing faster? the camera now, but I went Look camping this. this past weekend, wow. and I shot a bunch of film. And it was and it was just awesome. I had so much fun doing it. And it was, I don't care that if I took the picture, it turned out a little blurry or had some weird issues where the film uh, exposed a little weird or right. when it went through the rollers, it pushed a little too much of the, the chemicals through. And But that's the whole point of Polaroids is you get some weird looking photos, but they're cool. But that thing I don't and, get though, we're in this age, Sean, that we're so digital. We're, it's like, let's put it on a hard drive. The cost per megabyte is so down. We just could load it up. And then you go, wait, do I have these in there? And then you load them up on another section of the hard drive and you have all those duplicates. Um, this is a different way. This is really for that connoisseur that likes to take photos like yourself. Yeah, so these are just going to go in a shoebox, right? With Or in an envelope with the date and stuff on them. But I want my kids to be able to see these when I have kids. And I want to be able to show these to my friends one day and say, Look, here's my uncle cooking on the grill around the campfire. Like, yeah. I want to be able to have this. There is something but, pretty cool, and I think our, some of our listeners would agree that there was something cool about the the early Polaroids, or even the idea of just taking a photo and then you know you take it to the developer, they give you a print. But when you're looking through a photo album and you see these photos in an album, you know, laid out, and like you could maybe put a little notation. And that was cool about the Polaroid. You could write. At the bottom of the actual printer, there was an area there you could write the date or what it was or who's in the picture, the whole bit. Rather than going through a screen and looking at a computer screen and going, okay, or even, you know, the the Amazon Alexa, you can take your photos. You could have it do like a, a photo frame and have it rotate and all that stuff if you've got the show devices. But there's something really cool about looking at a photo album, you know, yeah, and, and doing I it that agree. way. I got my start in photography on film back in the early 2000s. I have photos that I took that I, are, I'm impressed with now that I was able to achieve that on film. So I'm, I've always been in the mindset. I love analog film. It's where I got my start. And it's, it just was so easy to use digital, but I, you can't recreate a lot of the looks you get with digital that you can on film. And it's not necessarily about, what you the result it's about the experiment that's what i love about film it's you get to experiment and you're gonna screw up and you're gonna get shots that are overexposed or you're gonna get shots that are blurry but that's okay because that's how you learn yeah and that's how i got my start and i love it for that but they make another version of this Cam. okay so, so this, this is, is, this is, for, this the, is for, for the digital enthusiasts they make another version right right so we spoke earlier and i did misspeak but before the show, we were talking about it, and I, I mentioned that the the new version of this camera, the Polaroid Now Plus, would save the files digitally, but that is not accurate. Mm. I did a little more research on the Polaroid Now Plus. What the Polaroid Now Plus gives you, which is a version, a new version of this same camera that I have here in front of me, is that it gives you some creative control via an app on your phone. So you can change the shutter speed, Okay. You can you can do long exposures. You can do autofocus. It comes with some filters. It gives you the ability to do the flash, just like this one. But it gives you just a little bit more uh, creativity control. So what so you can, find... so so do you connect via Bluetooth to the the Polaroid camera, and then you again you have all this capability on your smartphone to be able to take it. But will it? give you a digital copy of that on your smartphone? As far as I could tell, no. It would oh. still just print the film and not give you the digital, which I'd like that. I, I It would be interesting to see, but it's, it's hard to do both because right. if the camera takes the image, it doesn't put it on the film. So you're not going to get the same look you were trying to achieve digitally that you were trying to get on film. So it doesn't make sense for them to give you a digital version of a creative process you're not trying to get. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That so makes sense. 
I, I thought I thought it would be cool that if they did that, but then again, it's like, why are you buying a Polaroid if you want digital images? Exactly. Exactly. So, but then again, you know, think about it for cost. All right. So the cost per picture, you're out somewhere, you take, you take this Polaroid, you know, it shoots out of the front, just like the old Polaroid did makes that sound. I'm, I would hope. And then everybody, Oh, that's so cool. I want one. So you got to take another one that could get kind of pricey when it comes to, you know, you got six people there or six family members that suddenly want to have a copy. You could say, I'll take it home and scan it for you. That's exactly what you have to do. You have yeah. to take it home and scan it. And that's okay. But I think, you know, or invite your friends over and go through the album together and share it with your friends and have a moment like that because that's what you had to do before. Right. Or you or you got it scanned and you got prints made. Right. So the other one I want to mention too quickly is they have one called the Polaroid Go, which launched on the 1st of September. All right. It is the tiniest little camera you've ever seen it's only three inch by three inch it's tiny it is so tiny but it's just a polaroid it's just your basic just like this you take the picture you point you shoot it spits out the film so now, does this, the, what kind of film is it is it like paper or it's it's called polaroid go mm -hmm. so it's the same style of film but it's just small <laughs> i'm trying to find an actual size for you but that I is pretty neat find the information that's, technical that's not good for me in my old age with my bad eyes that would so, <laughs> i'd be like put them on the fridge with a magnifying glass the camera itself is six inch by three and a half inch by two and a half inch right so it's really small okay so how much this somebody wants to get maybe they love taking polaroids you know how much is this going to set somebody back to be able to get back into that you said 100 and Hundred bucks for the camera, what fifty for film? So if you're looking at the Polaroid Plus, the Polaroid Now Plus, you're looking at with a box of film. Look, the starter set on the website, which has two two uh, so sixteen shots of color, eight shots of black and white, and the camera for hundred ninety four bucks. That's wow. straight off of Polaroid. Right now, apparently, I just read that. This, the Now Plus and the Go are only available at Polaroid.com. You can't get them anywhere else right now. Oh, okay. All right. But you can get the Polaroid Now, which is the one I have that isn't the Plus version. Got it at Best Buy. That's where I got mine. Out the door, Best Buy, 175 bucks. I got the camera plus a five-pack of eight eight shots for just about 170 Now, I'm kind of wondering, is Pol Polaroid making the actual – they're, they're the ones who make the film, right? Yes. It's Polaroid. Is it the same thing as a printer company? Like we know Epson, HP, you know, some of the different printer companies that have been out there have been selling printers pretty inexpensively. But yet when it comes to your inks and your consumables, that was always like, okay, we'll keep them going with the consumables. So you'd be paying for, you know, more ink for your, your printers from that company rather than, you know, hopefully buying the knockoff ones. Is this something that's probably going to help Polaroid? Oh yeah, I definitely think like you. There's been a resurgence in analog photography. It's very popular on Reddit. It's very popular just in general, and it's all just about expressing yourself in a photographic way. And you can do that digitally, but what's more raw than point? Maybe get something that you want in focus. But I've got so many cool shots here from this past weekend that I could I could never make look like this digitally. Yeah, that's true. I just couldn't. That's and true. I, I knew that going in. I knew that this picture is going to be overexposed a little bit because it's bright outside or this picture is going to be a little dark because it's nighttime. But but that I knew that got to play with it. And that's just part of the experience. All right. We got to take a break. We come back. Uh, you're going to hook up that microphone so we can check out some of the sounds. Yes. All right. We, 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 awesome. we, we, we want to hear that and hear what the mic can do. Uh, and again, you found this one on the Logitech website, right? It's the, yeah, just, you can just Google Blue Yeti X World of Warcraft Edition. And you can likely find it. They have them on Amazon, but I bought it directly from, from Logitech. So. All right, cool. And then I want to tell you the downside to buying technology. When you buy it from a big box store, what, what could go wrong? I'll tell you about that coming up. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Broadway. Make sure you find us on the World Wide Web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. So during the break, uh, Sean 
has gone ahead and connected up this microphone. Now, tell us the name of this microphone again. This is the Yeti Pex World of what? Warcraft Edition. Wait, wait, wait. That sounds kind of... What is wrong? Andy, yeah. can you check us? Yeah, here? I don't know. It kind of sounds... Sounds a little off there, Sean. Does it sound like I'm on AM radio? Yeah, 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 it does. But that I changed it, so now here we go. Ready? And now we're back to normal. Wait, you were using an AM radio filter? Yeah. So this microphone, using the <laughs> the the Logitech G Suite, I can go through and make changes, and I can actually change the EQ of my microphone live. Well, that wasn't that, really... that dynamic because we're on AM radio right now. So you just sound like <laughs> so double may, AM radio. They may not know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just one of the ones that just says broadcaster on it. All but right. What, what's cool about this microphone specifically for those of you who are into video games and that types of things is I can change my voice. Oh, let's hear it. All right. Here we go. So Show this me. is Forest Troll. Oh, great. So now I sound like a forest troll. No, it sounds like you're calling for a ransom. (laughs) (laughs) Or if I want to sound like a gnome. From World of Warcraft, here is gnome. This is is the gnome. uh, But there's just all these different uh, settings I can go through, which is really fun. So. Okay, that kind of sounds kind of scary. Yeah. Now you do these all with the software. Yeah, so I'm just going through changing the software, so now I sound like I'm in the latest production program. I don't know what he just said, but it sounded hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Sound like a robot. Yeah, it sounds like a robot. Perfect. What else? Well, there's this one that's a little more dreamy sounding. Right. And this one says void echoes. So whatever that sounds like, I can't hear it on my end. So... So you uh, you don't hear what we're hearing. We're hearing no, like it no, sounds no. like you're in a deep chamber. There's echo in it, the whole bit. I do not hear any of that because I don't have it fed it back into my headset. Otherwise, there's a delay and it screws me up. But You know, anybody who was doing a, like a Zoom call with their work, they would be driving everybody crazy if they got oh, stuck. Yeah. It's like the the oh, yeah. teacher, was it a teacher or somebody at work or a boss uh, changed, turned himself into a potato and couldn't figure out how to get rid of it, so he had to do the whole meeting with, as a potato. <laughs> Welcome to the king's chamber. That is pretty neat. Now, how do you change this? Is it all done with? It's all done with software. So it's just the the Logitech G Suite or the G software that they have. You just download it from Logitech's website. It took thirty seconds to download it and install it, and then I can just go through and and change the presets just right here in the software on the fly. Right, and so has I, them could on be, there. I could be right in the middle of talking, and then all of a sudden, I'm the lich king. <laughs> right? It's just, it's just like that. So, <laughs> sounds like it's, that. It's, do, do you guys remember the movie Old School? Did, did yes. you ever see? It? Do, do you Frank remember the when, tank? Frank the tank. Yeah. Do you remember when Will Ferrell shot himself with the dart? It sounded just yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. All right, now, so once again, you can find this one on Logitech's website. Uh, you definitely do a little search for it, but you you saved some money there on that one. Yeah, it, and, and for those of you who are interested, why would you want this type of microphone? There's a lot more to it than just the fun voice-changing effects, right? There are multiple pickup patterns, hypercardioid, cardioid, stereo, dual stereo because it's got a dual pickup so you could do a left and a right so somebody could be standing behind the microphone and somebody could be standing in front of the microphone and you can do two channels of audio um this microphone is they're really really great usb microphones um i can't say that enough this is the second blue microphone that i've bought um well actually i won the first one in a facebook giveaway so i can't say that i bought that one but you get the idea they're great microphones they're not cheap made Chinese microphones you buy for $30 on Amazon. So if you can pony up a little bit of money for a blue microphone, I'm going to highly recommend it. They sound great. They're easy to work with. The software is easy. They're just great microphones. Now, even the microphone that you're using now versus the one you normally use, you're using this, you're actually using this one right now. The pickup pattern is a little more dynamic. Like I can hear you a little better than I can on that other one. And that's yeah, an older I, an older model. It is an older model, and it's it's their their lower end model. It's the the Yeti Blue, uh, the Blue Yeti. This is the 
Blue Yeti X. I know that I can adjust the pickup pattern on the other one. Um, we have just never really played around with it too much. Which uh, microphone are you using, Bron- Broadway? I'm using the uh, Aston Stealth. The Aston Stealth. And that's one you found for $30 on Amazon. <laughs> no. That... <laughs> When he said that, I had to I had to say something to you about that one. Actually, no, it's a it's a good looking microphone. Right here, yeah. Like I still use this one. Yeah, it's a good microphone. Yeah, don't don't get me wrong. I own several thirty dollar Amazon cheap microphones because I like playing with them and I like destroying them or using them in different scenarios. Because if you're just theory crafting a like a project and you want just something to pick up sound that you know you're going to replace down the line with something better. Why waste $250 when you can theory craft it with something that you can destroy and replace for $30? I, I wanted to tell you, um, which is funny because uh, I spent about 35 bucks this week and I bought something off of Amazon. Broadway doesn't know what this is. I know uh, Sean does because I've told him. Um, I'm going to show you something, Broadway. What does this look like? It looks like a ballpoint pen to me. Yeah. It looks like a pen. I apologize. I Yeah, I was muted because of the bad mic. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So it looks like a ballpoint pen. It's not. This is actually, it is, it's a real nice looking pen. It is a pen. It does write. It does have ink cartridges, but it's a voice recorder. So basically if you're in a meeting uh, or you put it down on a table, you hit the record button on top, it will record a conversation onto the memory that's embedded within this, this pen. So it's a digital voice recorder. Now, while you will say that this is something you could use Again, in a meeting, in a situation, you want to remember everything you talked about. Some people say, well, wait a minute. It's like a James Bond spy pen because it will record a conversation. They have other models that actually have a camera on it. So if you put it in your pocket, you're you know walking around, it's got a camera that is recording pretty much everything through a pinhole. Not the greatest quality, but it's just capturing the essence of what maybe you were trying to do. But I got this because I, want, I wanted to show this on Fox 11 this week. To show that, you know, what look may look like a regular pen that does write uh, is actually a voice recorder. And they do recommend not to write with it while you're recording because it will pick up every single little bit of noise that is a part of it. And I found this with uh, 60, excuse me, 32 gigabytes for around 35 bucks. So I'm going to ask about the elephant in the room here. Yeah. Is Arizona a two-party consent state? Uh, Yes. Yes. So if I was to record and you want to look into that, uh, you make sure everybody around you knows, hey, I'm going to record this. If you're right. doing it otherwise, you could actually be held uh, with some trouble. <laughs> so to my last knowledge and, and to the date of this recording, Michigan is not a two-party consent state, meaning if Andy and I or John or I were to sit down and have a conversation I could record it without his knowledge and use that against him in any civil action I choose to. John comes on and says, I'm going to murder Andy or something along those lines. Wow, thanks. And then Andy goes missing. (laughs) I could use that against him in court that he said that he was going to go kill Andy. Right. Without him, without his knowledge. Whereas in a a two-party consent state, that recording would be thrown out because John had not consented to that recording. That's a lot of murder there. That was a lot of murder. Me killing you, right. I'm saying like, you know, and my name keeps throwing out there and I got recordings everywhere. Will you stop? Well, you know, the, the thing is I watch a lot of ID channel. I, I really do. I mean, it's it's on constantly. Matter of fact, right right now it's in the other room, it's on. But my, my thing is, is with this, I kind of wonder if this will eventually end up on an episode of ID channel where it's used as evidence for somebody that they needed to catch evidence of somebody saying that they were going to do a crime or have done a crime. Uh, did you watch James Bond Goldeneye? No, I think I he may had have. had a pen that exploded, so of course it's going to end up on some sort of movie if it records. They've been using stuff like that in spy movies for a long time. Yeah. And speaking of films, I don't know if you guys heard this. The movie Top Gun Maverick was supposed to come out in November. It was going to be the Thanksgiving movie. And they decided once again to move it. Uh, the movie's being moved to Memorial Day of 2022. Uh, it will be out. Uh, that'll be uh, May May 27th uh, for for the film to be coming out. How how long have we been waiting for this movie? It's 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 sad. 
And then uh, there was speculation Tom Cruise's car or his bouncer's car was broken into while they were filming some of Mission Impossible. Uh, and uh, they the car was actually stolen. And in that car was Top Gun Maverick, a copy of it. And some were thinking, wait a minute, maybe this is going to make its way to the World Wide Web. Because that would be that would be horrible for the uh, That folks. would be bad. Yeah, but apparently it hasn't. And, and then, you know, people that know the car was kept within 30 minutes of it being taken, it was captured. You could not make a digital copy of a two-hour movie in 30 minutes. Right? I mean, there's no way. No, there's no way. Yeah. So but that doesn't mean they didn't do something to it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't the only print, thank God. But yeah, so now we're going to have to wait for Top Gun Maverick. That'll be out uh, in May. Uh, now, my and, big oh. question then is if it's delayed, does that mean the digital download for Flight Sim is also delayed? Yes. Because that, no. Yes. Uh, that was also I announced. I my fighter jets. Microsoft was going to put out the Top Gun expansion pack. They were going to tie it in with the movie. And Microsoft also made the announcement this week that they were going to delay it more around the actual release date of the film. So this was going to be our opportunity with Flight Simulator to be able to fly the jets that they fly in Top Gun, an authorized expansion pack. And they said, no, we're going to hold I off. want to land on an aircraft carrier. You're going to have to wait until Memorial Day. <laughs> All right, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Broadway. You can uh, send us a tweet at Tech Talk Radio on Twitter. We'll be right back. I'm getting the error message, uh, directsound.com object. Uh, I don't want to hook up. Um, I don't know what the direct... I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, people, break out your notebooks and pencils and slide rules. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio with true geeks. And by the way, I'm D. Snyder, and I'm a geek, too. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Broadway. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Shonda Weird. So, big event going to be coming up. Uh, this is going to be happening on the 14th. So, uh, next week, you'll be able to check this out. It is a new Apple event. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm everybody's kind of wondering, like, what they're going to be doing. Because, you know, if you think about it, uh, recently, back in June, they did the Worldwide Developers Conference, which showed that they were going to be putting out iOS, iOS 15, the iPad iOS, the uh, Mac OS Monterey, and the Watch OS 8. So everybody's speculating it's going to be the new iPhone 13, which uh, there's yep. going to be some capabilities on this. Yeah, they're talking about the the new Apple iPhone 13 and then also the Series 7 watch. So there's this is a lot of people say this is going to be strictly a hardware announcement, but we'll see because iOS 15 is supposed to be along with the new iPhone. But if they're, if this is just a hardware event, when does, when is, have they mentioned anywhere else that iOS 15 is going to be coming with this? Normally yeah. they do pair an iOS release with a new phone. Right. But we'll see. Now, uh, one of the things that was talked about and some people have uh, been asking questions is this whole idea that there could be a satellite delivered service with uh, iOS devices like the iPhone, um, that if, say, your carrier was no longer being able to provide you service, you'd then be able to get a satellite-type service delivered by Apple to your smartphone if you're in a remote area or you're not able to use it. Yeah, I'd seen that rumored on a couple different sites that I follow that it'll be similar to something like the Garmin InReach or some of those other satellite providers that can do texting or short messages over satellite, but it's going to probably be a monthly subscription or even maybe a use by use scenario where if you send one text, it's going to be, you know, it could be, it could oh, charge you per message. Like the old days. <laughs> yeah. But this would be good though, uh, for, for people who do like to get out in the great outdoors, like, uh, you know, Broadway, for example, you've got a big spread there at your home in Wisconsin. So if Wisconsin. you're, you're out in the back 40, uh, you know, doing stuff, you, pro you might be in an area where you're not getting coverage. So this could give you that extra coverage. It could, but I wouldn't want it to. Why not? 
It's Apple. Of course he wouldn't want it to. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, you're not an Apple guy. <laughs> he, he probably cuts down every single Apple tree that even touches foot on his every property. Every apple tree I have has one purpose, one purpose only, is to provide my deer with food. I grab the apples and throw them to the deer and say thank you. That is where I... That would be No, yeah. I just... I, look, I understand... I love the fact that we can get coverage, but and I've talked about wanting more coverage on my property. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly going to, going to tell y'all, I'm actually going the opposite direction. All this connectivity, I'm actually trying to limit. Once I get out in the woods, I want to be out in the woods, man. Mm-hmm. Just very, saying. Very good point, actually. Yeah. No, I, I get that. You know, I. With, and it's an apple. At, and yeah, and it's an apple. <laughs> but you know, having a camper and going off grid, and you know, Caitlin and I travel to places where we know we don't have cell service and I love it because I don't even take my phone out with me because I've got my other cameras to take pictures with. I don't need my phone to take pictures. with. I take better pictures with my cameras anyways. Now you don't right? get the so, anxiety though of not being near your smartphone or you don't get that, that, Oh my gosh, what's, the, what's going what's on? What's the point if you don't have service, just keep checking it anxiously every five minutes. Oh, don't have service still. Bummer. Yeah, but it, let me ask you. Don't you, have service still. If you're going out, say, in your, your camper and you're going somewhere, and now suddenly your device can get a text message, can get an SMS message, can get access to the net, uh, can get access to Netflix, are you going to be inclined to maybe saying, okay, yeah, we'll we'll take it? Sure, when when it's there, but it's not something that if I know I'm going somewhere where I'm not connected, boo-hoo, I'll survive. I'll live. I lived most of my childhood into my te- well into my teenagers without a cell phone. Right. I had to go and use the phone at the restaurant to call my parents to say, Hey, we're going to a movie with my friends. Okay. Let us know when you're I'll, done and we'll come pick you up. I'll be fair. I, of course, I'm the one that gets anxious when I don't have a phone service or have a phone to be able to connect. Um, it's just part of my thing. I, yeah. I have to stay connected somehow. But some of the exposure I'm doing is, not being connected, but I do want the connection, even though I'm going to leave it in the RV or in the trailer or in the, in the tent. So Andy, to be full fair. Yes. I think this is awesome. I've already planned on my Starlink service. For instance, I'll take that thing with me wherever I go. I'll see if I can get service wherever I stop, because they say, once you have it, just point it, you know what to do with it. Well, I'm kind of wondering about that too. And speaking of Starlink, uh, there was a story this past week, uh, that some people have been pretty upset because they have not received their kits yet, even though they have paid the deposit to be able to get it. And you're you're actually one of those, aren't you? Yeah, and the only reason I haven't complained is I've lost a lot more money than that hundred dollar deposit towards a five hundred dollar thing. I mean, I've lost more than hundred dollars before, so I'm not too you know I, I know what I'm going to get when I get it because I know plenty of people that actually have the service and it's the best thing that they can get. It's clearly more than what I can get now, and I'm paying more than that per month, so I'm ready. Yeah, now, Sean, didn't you get it for your parents, or they were looking into it? It's available to my parents. My parents have looked into it. Um, specifically, like John said, if they travel, they can take it with them and get coverage wherever they go. So I'm curious to see. My parents are in the retirement age, and they may or, not, may, or may not want to screw around with technology like that. But it's available, and I'd like them to get it because they don't have – they use their five, they have a 5G hotspot that they use for their internet at home. It'd be nice, but they not really seemed interested in pursuing it. There was a story this week. I don't know if you guys heard about this, uh, that came out of South Africa. So, uh, they had some riots in South Africa and during the riots, which took place back in July, uh, a warehouse for Samsung was looted and some televisions, quite a few of them, were uh, were looted and taken and basically stolen out of this warehouse. But here's the thing that had a lot of people saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. You can do this? So here's the story. There is something that Samsung has on all of its devices, a TV block. Basically, it's a remote security solution that detects if TV units have been unduly activated. The technology is preloaded on all Samsung TV products the TV block works this way. So uh, this blocking system activated on the television sets that were stolen from the warehouse. They know the serial numbers of those stolen televisions. And what they'll do is basically when somebody tries to connect to the internet with that device, it will then be blocked. 
The only way to get it unblocked is it by providing a valid proof of purchase. Otherwise, once you connect to the internet, that TV is not going to work. And basically, that's, you know, once you turn it on, it's going to try and find a hotspot for that television. So, you know, some people are really surprised that this technology exists there, but I think we're finding more and more electronics now that are utilizing this and having these features in so that the manufacturer could at will turn it off. You're saying there's a low jack on my Samsung. Realistically, we've talked about this, though. We've talked about this in in previous segments. Uh, This is that hardware information, that software that sits on that hardware level. It's it's basically it's a management in the term in the industry they call them MIBs. It's a management information base. It's a little block or block. It's a little piece of information that sits at the at the core that gives all the 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 identifier associated with what we have in the uh, MAC addresses or what you would have in in when you do a search up on MAC addresses for network connected devices. It tells you the manufacturer based off two or three of those uh, numbers. So that's this is more of that. And uh, yeah, I find it quite interesting and I wouldn't be surprised if there's in more stuff than we know. Exactly. All right, we're going to come back. We'll have more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Broadway. Find us on the web and subscribe at Spreaker.com. Now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. I'm Sean DeWeird. I'm Andy Taylor. And I'm Broadway. Thank you for uh, tuning in to us. Again, you can find us on the web at Tech Talk Radio. Dot com. So this week, there was an announcement that Microsoft was going to be possibly raising the prices on its office suite of products. Now, I come from the old school where I bought Microsoft Office and I had it and I used it for years. And then just recently, I went ahead and made the switch to Office 365, where I pay you know an annual subscription of like 99 bucks a year. And I get this uh, available for myself. You know, Gloria's got a copy uh, and I've got a copy on another system that I use at work and we still have two licenses available, but they also announced that the price is going to be going up. And for some of those licenses, I see it going up almost 40%. So I've had a couple of people ask me, so if I don't want to stick with, with, you know, Office 365, what is an alternative for anybody that wants to do it? Uh, John, have you come across an alternative for the Office Suite? Um, open office is one. That's one of the ones I've used. Um, I believe Sean might have a website that would help you others find stuff like this. Yeah. So we've talked about this website before when we've talked about alternatives to, to, to software or games or other things that people use on a daily basis. It's called alternative Two. So the word alternative T O dot net. And then you just type in what you want to search for. So whether it's Photoshop, whether it's Lightroom or, Microsoft Office. Type in Microsoft Office and you get a list of alternatives. 45 alternatives pop up when I type in Microsoft Office. You have LibreOffice. You've got OpenOffice, which John just mentioned. Yeah. There are several others. So you, you have a slew of alternatives to the Microsoft Office experience that most of them are free and open source. So they're going to be freeware versus shareware even. Correct. Yeah, so... This website is great, not just for searching for things like Microsoft Office, but Photoshop. There are, that's how I ended found GIMP oh, ten GIMP years great, ago, because yeah. I was looking for a fo- You know, I didn't want to pay four hundred dollars for a Photoshop license. Right. So now they're into that subscription base that we have to deal with. But. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, guys, it's been great seeing you again. Um, we'll have video posted up on the website if you want to take a look at the uh, cameras and, of course, microphones. Uh, that we talked about earlier in the show. In the meantime, have yourselves a great week. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Broadway. And catch us sometime at techtalkradio.com.